Hey, this is Eastlake BBA, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you. We hope this builds your faith. Enjoy the message. Good evening, Sal, alcoholic. Alrighty, there is a solution, page 25. So there is a solution. Almost none of us liked the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, and confession of shortcomings, which the process requires its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. When therefore we were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. So that right there is uh, going through the steps, uh, the way that the big book explains it, it, it makes you look inside yourself and what has, what harm have you done? not only to yourself, but to your loved ones and to anyone, anyone around you. And the tools have been given through this book and it lays right there and, and we're just kind of, you know, mesmerized because in a way God or your higher power has worked through us to, to relieve us of the bondage of, of self. Um, the great fact is just this and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and toward God's universe. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Again, as you're going through the steps and, and you get... To step three, you know, nobody can help you through this process. No one can get you through but God himself. You know, you might say, you know, I did it on my own. I got, I stopped drinking. I stopped using. But in reality, it, it's, it's not true. It's God. It's our higher power who is helping us. He's, he's like that, the, the reed that's the flimsy reed that is pulling you out of the water to, to sobriety. If you, are seriously, if you are as seriously alcoholic as we were, we believe there is no middle-of-the-road solution. We are in a position where life was becoming impossible, and if we had passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, again, can't do it without, with, with human help, we had but two alternatives. One was to go on to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other, to accept spiritual help. I think everybody in here is accepting the spiritual help because we wouldn't be here if that's not the case. Um, you know, that really reminds me of when I first started coming to these meetings, you know, uh, I thought that, you know, AA was for wussies, for quitters, you know, and yeah, we're quitters, but 
you know, it's just what what are these people going to teach me that I don't already know? I have I have my higher power, and you know, but there was that connection that was lost with that higher power, and that's what made me uh, sit back and look because it's just we're just our average Joes. Everyone has their same way of life. Everyone does the same things that I do. It's just that we were all have that connection in alcohol or using and it opened up my eyes. And I, I believe it was my higher power, my God that, you know, brought me out of that realm of, um, looking at life, uh, through those fogged glasses. Uh, this we did because we honestly wanted to, and we're willing to make the effort. Exactly. You have to put forth the effort because like it says earlier in the, in the paragraph, half measures get us nothing. You know, uh, there's no middle of the road solution. You can't go through this half assed You either all in or you're all out. So you have to, you get what you put into this whole, this whole program. And it makes it easier when you talk to, to people in the fellowship. They actually help you see what has come through them. It, 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 uh, it's uh, amazing how the process and everything works. A certain American businessman had ability, good sense, and high character. For years, he had floundered from one sanitarium to another. He had consulted the best-known American psychiatrists. Then he had gone to, to Europe, placing himself in the care of a celebrated physician, the psychiatrist Dr. Young, who prescribed for him. Through experience, although experience had made him skeptical, he finished his treatment with unusual confidence. His physical and mental condition were unusually good. Above all, he believed he had acquired such a profound knowledge of the inner workings of his mind and its hidden springs that relapse was unthinkable. Nevertheless, he was drunk in a short time. More baffling still, he could give himself no satisfactory explanation for his fall. And that right there is, you know, the mental obsession that we, that we have. And we talked about it uh, last week. Um, you know, we can go ahead and believe everything. But like, like uh, everyone says here, another 24, you know, as long as we make it through that day, relapse is inevitable. If we make it through it without relapsing, that's great. You know, it's, you know, but people do end up relapsing. And, and, uh, if you look at it from the viewpoint of 20, the next 24 hours, you know, cause it says in the back of the book, as you, as we make our way through it, you know, through your steps, you have to take your self inventory and your self inventory. You got to look at yourself and how your day was and look forward to your day. You know, as you sit, in morning meditation and prayer, you look at the day ahead of you. And then when you lay down to go to bed, you look at, reflect on your day. And if you had any, um, resentments and so on. Um, so he returned to his doctor whom he admired and asked him point blank why he could not recover. He wished above all things to regain self-control. He seemed quite rational and well-balanced with respect to other problems. Yet he had no control whatever over alcohol why is this well that's the mental obsession and the spiritual malady what else physical craving there goes on and on the list of why we do what we do 
He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society, and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great psych physician's opinion. Now, in the, it tells us here, Dr. Silkworth felt the same way about this at first, that his, this, his condition is hopeless. Uh, okay, sorry. But this man still lives and is a free man. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men may go without disaster, provided he remains willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. Some of our alcoholic readers may think that they can do without spiritual help. Let us tell you the rest of the conversation our friend had with his doctor. The doctor said, you have the mind of a chronic alcoholic. I have never seen one single case recover where the, that state of mind existed to the extent that it does in you. Our friend felt as though the gates of hell had closed on him with a clang. He said to the doctor, is there no exception? Yes, replied the doctor, there is. Exceptions to the case such as yours have been occurring since early times. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences. To me, these occurrences are phenomena. They appear to be in the nature of huge emotional displacements and arrangements, ideas, emotions, and attitudes, which were once the guiding forces of the lives of these men are suddenly cast to one side and completely new and a completely new set of conceptions and motives begin to dominate them. In fact, I have been trying to produce some such emotional rearrangement within you. With many individuals, the methods which I employed are successful, but I've never been successful with an alcoholic of your description. Now, this takes me back to when I first realized that I was an alcoholic and, uh, you know, I was always, I was raised in a religious family. I prayed every night, every morning to God, said my set of prayers and moved on. Um, but I lost that, atta that attachment. I lost that connection. And obviously I started drinking, but that's that connection that you need to have going through this process and it says in the 12 and 12, you know, that uh, all the prayers I was doing was, was selfish. God, please let that girl like me. I want to date that cheerleader. You go, God, please help us win this game. God, and now the prayers are, please let me help somebody who needs that, the help. Please guide me. Please strengthen me. So that way I can go about your, your, your bid. You're bidding, you know, your will, not mine. And I sat back and I thought about that and I was like, wow, that's crazy because the 12 and 12 kind of goes in depth a little bit more about what's, what's going on. But that's a different book and a different, different uh, meeting. So um, upon hearing this, our friend was somewhat relieved for he reflected that after all, he was a good church member. This hope, however, was destroyed by the doctors telling him that while his religious convictions were very good, in his case, they did not spell the necessary vital spiritual experience. Here was a terrible dilemma in which our friend found himself when he had the extraordinary experience 
which was which, as we have already told you, made him a free man. We, in our turn, sought the same escape with all the desperation of drowning men. Think about that. Just think about that sentence right there. Drowning men. We're all, look at it from the bottle perspective. We're drowning ourselves in alcohol. What seemed at first a flimsy reed has proved to be the loving and powerful hand of God. A new life has been given to us or if you prefer, a design for living that really works. That flimsy reed, if you ever look at what that reed is, and I'm sure I've said it here before or at other meetings I've gone to, but that flimsy reed, the root system of that reed is tremendous. That one little reed that you're pulling on to get yourself out of that, that river or that lake has a root system that will take a, a backhoe to dig it out. And that's the hand of God extending to you to pull you out of your addiction. The distinguished American psychologist William James in his book, Varieties of Religion, Religious Experience, indicates a multitude of ways in which men have discovered God. We have no desire to convince anyone that there is only one way by which faith can be acquired. If what we have learned and felt and seen means anything at all, it means that all of us, whatever our race, creed or color are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms as soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. Those having religious affiliations will find there nothing disturbing, hear nothing disturbing to their beliefs or ceremonies. There is no friction among us over such matters. You know, and, and that takes me back to the, the religious affili uh, affiliation and um, whatever faith which faith can be acquired anything at all you know means that all of us whatever our race color you know uh pastor jose comes here and he said that when he first uh started going through our process and he said that the doorknob was was his higher power you know if that's what works for you uh then that's what works but i just find that you know funny you know and now he believes in in our higher power. So that just reminded me of that. Uh, we think it no concern of ours what religious bodies our members identify themselves with as individuals. This should be an entirely personal affair which each one decides for himself in the light of past associations or his present choice. Not all of us join religious bodies, but most of us favor such memberships. Again, we're not getting into religious um, aspects, but if you look at where most of our meetings are, they're in a religious setting. They're at a church, and there's no denomination. You know, your faith is your faith. Whatever you believe in, they're not telling you to not believe it. It's, we're just telling you, find it, because it will work, and it will help you. In the following chapter, there appears an explanation of alcoholism, as we understand it. Then a chapter addressed to the agnostic. Many who once were in this class are now among our members. Surprisingly enough, we find such convictions no great obstacle to a spiritual experience. Further on, clear-cut directions are given showing how we recovered. Again, that word recovered. There's it's throughout this book. These are followed by 42 personal experiences, and I suggest that you read those 42 personal experiences because they're pretty awesome. You can relate to at least a couple of them. 
Each individual in the personal story describes in his own language and from his own point of view the way he established his relationship with God. These give a fair cross-section of our membership and clear-cut ideas of what has actually happened in their lives. We hope no one will consider these self-revealing accounts in bad taste. Our hope is that many alcoholic men and women desperately in need will see these pages and we believe that it is only by fully disclosing ourselves and our problems that they will be persuaded to say, yes, I am one of them too. I must have this thing. And that's exactly what happened to me when I came through these doors and I started working it because I read this book three times before I started going through the steps. And more, the more and more we read from this book and we talk about it, you know, I realize that yes, I too have this thing called alcoholism and I'm addicted. So uh, at the bottom it says, you know, if you're working the steps through the big book, um, if I'm an alcoholic, powerless over alcohol, and never going to regain control, do I have a choice? You don't have a choice of your first drink. It's that mental obsession, that spiritual malady, that you're not, you're not good enough, um, that physical craving that's making you want to take that first drink. But you have a choice to come here every Monday evening. You know, the Salvation Army guys, you guys have a choice to come here instead of staying... At the, at the Salvation Army, you know, in your room or what you guys have to do outside of the meetings. Um, how can I admit powerlessness over alcohol than say I have a choice today or that I ever did? You know, we're powerless over alcohol because once we take that first drink, it's that you're gone. You're, you're like a dragster who's taken off for that quarter mile and... You don't, you don't have the power to stop yourself, but with the higher power you do. And the choice that you have, like I said, is to come in every week and hopefully more than once a week to go to meetings and be with the fellowship. So with that, like we say, take another 24 and thank you. Um, uh, good evening, I'm Ivan and I'm an addict. Uh, what can I say? I'm grateful. Uh, I'm grateful to my higher power for the opportunity to be here, to be clean another day. Um, it was a great day today. I went to court for the first time, uh, taking care of my responsibilities as a father. I went to custody, family uh, court, and just being able to be seen different in a suit, um, showing initiative as far as being a father. Um, the mother of my kids was pretty surprised, you know. I, I couldn't get this in my addiction. I could never get the, that respect, that look that, that, that I got today from my family, from, my, from the people who were going against me, you know. Uh, I came a long way. I can't, uh, can't say it was easy. It, it hasn't been easy. But thanks to the meetings, thanks to uh, Salvation Army that has given me another chance to get clean, stay clean. Um, I, uh, I'm just grateful for everything that's been going on in my life. And it's all got to be because I'm sober. I couldn't be like this in my addiction or drinking or whatever it is that I was doing wrong. 
now I can sit back and, and analyze and, and plan out my next 24, you know. Uh, my goal is to do something productive every day. It could be from the smallest thing. Um, it just shows that uh, I'm, it's, my higher power is changing, changing me, helping me change and uh, become a better person. I see uh, my friends here that are actually friends, you know, not people that use around with my addiction. I can actually come and talk to you guys about people that understand what I was going through, you know, and some people are still going through it. I guess I still get the the, the urge to use, but I see that I got a, a lot more to lose if I was to go back to using. So I uh, just keep fighting for another 24 before I didn't even understood what that meant because I never applied myself. Um, now that I have applied myself and, and, and and making an effort to make it work. I understand what 20, another 24 means. And so today I'm just grateful for another 24 day, another 24 hours sober. So that's it. Michael, I'm an addict. Michael. There's a solution. Yeah, that's not alcohol, I'll tell you that. Um, or drugs. Or drugs, none of that, yeah. Um, I mean, shoot. Uh, yeah, I am glad I am sober today, actually. Um, I came into the Salvation Army willingly because I was miserable and tired and tired of being tired, you know, and tired of being sick and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, liquor and all that stuff, man, made me sick. And, uh, you know, I was kind of sick of being, um, like, miserable, too, you know. Um, and I'm. Uh, this is my first time here at this meeting tonight. And, uh, um... Say this. Um, I've had a rough life, you know, and uh, and I had a rough childhood, all that stuff. But you know, um, it's like they say, don't like look back. It always look forward, and, and uh, you know, look forward today. It's not good to always look back or 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 too much forward either, you know. So um, I just take it day by day, you know, and um. Yeah, I'll take another 24. Good evening. My name is Vladimir, and I'm an alcoholic. Um, thank you, Sal, for your share. That was really great. That's why I love coming to this meeting, honestly, because I always get something out of this. Um, I like the fact that um, Sal acknowledged how it's not us that can do it on our own. I learned that too when I was doing my steps. I learned that I can't say I got this because it takes God out of the equation and all the glory is to him because um, that's when the my, well for me, the third step comes into play. You know, I, mean, I had to make a decision to hand over my life and my will over to the care of God as I understood him. And also with the prayers too, I also had um, those selfish prayers. I know Sal touched on that as well. Um, I used to have some pretty selfish prayers. And not only that, I only had... I only prayed when I, I really needed something and it was like, you know, like not in the best times. Like, for example, I remember one night because I was living my life on the run, right? And I was spotted by the police and I ran and um, I jumped into a few houses and I remember praying, asking God to help me, not let me get arrested. I ended up hiding under this truck and I was just praying there, like praying, God, don't let me get caught, you know? That night I slept under that truck and I got away. But what I mean by that is 
now I don't I don't pray to him just whenever I'm in need. I pray to him every day, and today I, I wake up grateful, and and I acknowledge him for who he is, and I give him all the glory, and I'm thankful today for this program. I never gave myself an actual chance to try a new way of life. I just knew everyone would everyone would say um you know that this is a new way of life. I never really understood it. Uh, I started going to AA when I was 18 because I was, you know, the judge sent me to AA meetings. And I remember that I heard one time, I was just sitting in the back, but I remember clearly that there was this old guy sharing and he said, um, I need, all I need is one little shot and I lose my house. And I was like, I was shivering. I was like, what is this guy talking about? But later on, I learned that <laughs> that's what alcoholism causes you. That's all it takes is that one shot. And uh, it's crazy because I see it now what he meant by that. But at the time, I did not get it and I did not understand it. But it surely is um, crazy what the alcohol can do can do to somebody because I know that it, it, it had a negative impact on my life. It actually introduced me to meth. And then meth took a toll on my life. You know, and um, yeah, uh, it, it kept me isolated from my family. Um, and um, <clears throat> and also back to the prayer part today, I do get to pray for other people and I get to pray to God to use me um, to be of service because today I get to help other people come into the program that helped change my life. And honestly, it's probably the, one of the best things that ever happened to me, but it wasn't easy. It was, um, you know, I had to be willing to go any lengths to get it. And um, I was restarted in my program, right? I was sharing this with my brothers today and uh, my brothers in the program. How I did six months of the program, I completed it, and I learned not to, I hadn't fully surrendered, I still had my old behaviors, and I got in trouble, and they they asked me to leave the program or to start over, and then that actually came to my mind, the willing, willing to go any lengths to get it, I don't know where exactly it is, but I know it's in the big book, if you're willing to go any lengths or one in, in, in the scripts, right, but... I remember that came to my mind and I was like, well, I gotta trust God in the process. And I trusted him and it wasn't easy, but I prayed that the serenity prayer really, really came through for me throughout that time because I said, Lord, like, help me accept the things I cannot change, you know, and um, it really helped me out. And then when I graduated the second time, they offered me the intake coordinator position, which I never in my life imagined that I would even be considered for it. And um, I'm really grateful for this new way of life because it has really, helped me in all aspects of my life, like with my family, my my um, insanity, I got my insanity back, and uh, my physical, I got, I, you know, I'm physically able to do things now, because I used to just, you know, be stuck all the time, and say I was going to do this, and I never did it, and um, I got to be a productive member, again, I'm a productive member of society now, and I'm grateful, and it's all because of God, and um, I know we're a small group today, but it's okay. It's a real good meeting. I'm happy to be here. Kind of reminds me. It makes me think about like, uh, you know, like when there's restaurants and then like there's like this fancy restaurant, but then the little one in the corner, the taco shop and it's bomb, you know, I think about it like that. I know this is a great meeting. I'm happy to be here. And thank you. My brother here has invited me to come up and share. I'm going against the grand. All right. Hello, my name is Jimmy Dill. And uh, I was a very extreme young person. I was an expert surfer and I was, uh, I was security. At, I, w I wasn't a professional. I didn't get paid to surf. I did it because I loved the sport and I did it from the soul, from the heart. And, but I was in a, a surfing club 
and they called us Huiahed Nalo. And we would make sure that the water was safe, we'd make sure that the beach was safe, and we were the all-night security. So all day while the surf contest was going on, I'd be patrolling you know, through the crowd, make sure there was no dangerous people out there, and meeting all the nice people. Well, you know, when, when all the surf contest broke up and everybody went home, well, I stayed in the scaffolding, which was three stories high so they could see the surf, but I turned that into my all-night party shack. And uh, we would start off as soon as, you know, all the officials left to uh, drink Heineken beer. And we would give the beer, I would give the beer away for free just to pull in a crowd. And I would, we weren't allowed to keep them out on the beach, so I'd put them up inside of our little condo that was on the main beaches, and we'd fill it up. And then, we, then after about midnight, we'd switch over to champagne, you know, and, and, and it was an all-night party. And so when, when, once it started getting close to daylight, because, you know, everybody stayed there, okay, everybody got to go home now. The surf contest is about to start. And the, surf, the sun comes up and the surfers start showing up and we start tanking down our coffee because we are water patrol. It means we got to paddle out in these huge waves and make sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to out there. And if somebody loses a surfboard, we get it back to them. And so this became a habit. But, um, you know, eventually this led to me um, not being as responsible as I should and, you know, I was an electrician when the surf contest wasn't going on. And so I had my bills to pay and the surf contest to take care of. And I had, I had built a banana grove. And, but, you know, there was one thing that stopped me from drinking. So I think that's probably the most important part that I would like to share with you. And that was love. Someone loved me enough to tell me what was good and what was bad for me. And you might consider that controlling. But when someone's telling you something that you can improve upon and you take that to heart, it really makes a difference. And because someone cared about me and said... I want you to stop drinking alcohol. That was all it took. That was 27 years ago. And that night that I, I climbed up 17 stories up the balconies to get in because the, the, um, the security guards wouldn't let me in the front gate. Um, and I came through the sliding glass door and my wife's eyes lit up like flying saucers and says, OMG, what in the world? Did you just, how did you get out there? I climbed up 17 stories because the security wouldn't let me in the front. And uh, she says, well, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to live at the beach with those people you've been drinking with. And so I took that to heart. And because of love, because of the love that I had for her good influence, I never drank again. That's been 27 years. Now, I didn't give up Mary Jane and hanging out with the hippie chicks, but I did give up, Mar I did give up alcohol. So now the Salvation Army has helped me to put away marijuana, and I will not pick it back up again. That's right, <laughs> Rick, alcoholic. Rick. Thank you for your share. Um, you know, I was listening to that, and they were, you were talking about half measures. You know, I I had to learn the hard way. I thought I was doing everything just right. I uh, I I got very sick. I damn near killed myself from alcohol. Ended up in the hospital with severe pain. Took a week. Had pancreatitis, took a week of incredible suffering. Never, never even thought I would drink again. I never really even considered the idea I had a deeper problem. And um, 
you know, when you go through something like that, yeah, there was a few months I didn't drink. I knew if I drank again, it's possibly I could end up in the same spot. The doctors told me I was lucky. I was back to normal. You know, and without going to a program, a couple of people I knew that were in this program said, maybe it's time. And I thought, there's no way I even consider drinking again. Well, a few months down the line, you know how that goes, you know, one time here, one time there, but it didn't take long. But this time, when alcohol came back, it was different than ever before. It was like God gave me my chance, and I blew it. Um, I, uh, I drank more than I ever did. It didn't take long to get there. And I had that obsession with alcohol. I, it didn't take me long. All the things I said I never did, why I wasn't an alcoholic, I was. Um, I couldn't stop drinking then. My body wasn't going to let alcohol go away. I'd wake up in the morning. I got, finally got to the point I woke up in the morning. I had to have a little booze. I, my kids would find it and pour it out. You know, I hid it and lied. And You know, here I thought I was an substantial citizen of Chula Vista and a leader and uh, talking to other people and telling them they had a problem, but... I couldn't see it right in front of my face until I got to that point. And even then, uh, I finally, someone had started going to this program, but I, it was too late. I couldn't stop drinking. And they suggested I might need to go to a rehab. And uh, I thought, well, that's not for me. That's for someone on the street. Well, it saved my life. Even though I still did half measures afterwards. I did that program. I was feeling good. Um, I took the aftercare program, but what they suggested was, you know, a 90-day, six-month uh, uh, um, like a Pioneers type of program. And uh, I said, well, I got a family. I got a house. I got a business. I got to take care of those things first. And um, so that worked for a while. I, I did a lot of meetings. I did what was suggested to me. I made coffee. I became part. I went there early, went there after. But those are the easy parts. Then I ended up going back out again. I One time here, one time there. And it, just like it says in the book, it didn't take no time. And it was right back to where it was. See, faster every time it happened to me. And it happened to me multiple times. But each time when I finally, I didn't do everything. You know, I didn't. You know, I didn't do the hard stuff. I did all the easy stuff. And until I really turned and admitted I was powerless, deep down, I mean, I could tell you a hundred times I was powerless over alcohol. But somewhere along the line, it finally clicked. And I had to do all those X, do the steps more thoroughly, um, really commit myself. So thank God for all you're here tonight on this night. We had a meeting and um, thank you. Jesus, addict and alcoholic. Hello, well, I've been in the Salvation Army for four months already, and I'm glad to be sober. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, I wanna share something real quick. <laughs> so I'm here once again. So um, due to the fact that I lived the, the lifestyle, right, I kept getting sent back to prison for every single little thing that I would do. So in the midst of that, I was with somebody who I love very much, but she was in her addiction too, right? So we keep missing each other. I get out, she gets out. 
she gets out, I go in, I go in, she gets out, and all this, right? So I finally was able to uh, reconnect with her. Um, she uh, she's went through an experience to where almost she almost lost her life. So that made her open her eyes a little bit. So after three years, we reunited on Saturday, and the things that we would never cross our mind to do, we did them on Saturday, and we spent our first day doing meetings. We went to two meetings. To the last, to the last 30 minutes of, of our date, we were sharing our experience in meetings, you know? And that's not something that never crossed my mind that we would be doing today, you know? So I just want to thank God for taking the people away, my, away from my life that don't need to be around me, that I don't need to be around, you know? I, I just thank for her life, for mine, for giving me a, a second opportunity to be here with Vladimir, with with my group, with in, in a group in a, with you guys here, is just every time I keep, I keep going to meetings, I keep liking it more and more. And I'm the type of person that I was in the street, you know, doing the most, and and I never thought I would be here in a suit, you know, sharing with you guys. But God is working in my life. Um, I have humbled myself. I'm not gonna say I, I'm all the way there yet. I've been in a program a little over 30 days. Um, but when you get to the mindset to where you're you're sick and tired of living that lifestyle where you're getting drunk and you're getting high just to get high and drunk and it doesn't even mean anything to you, you're not having fun anymore. I was at that stage to where I was just doing it. I was getting high more than I was eating, but at the same time, the drug wasn't even doing anything to me. And it was just, I didn't find no way out. Like to where I was already at the bottom. Once you're at the bottom, the only way you can go is up. So um, I'm almost on my way to prison. And it's just, it's just the way that God works or, or your higher power, wherever it is that you believe in, is just, it, it, it overpasses our understanding. You know, I used to ask God, help me get sober. Uh, I want to get sober. But the way that it came, never, never, Expected it to come like that, you know? You always expect it to be like, oh, your family's gonna come up and they're gonna take you to a rehab, or it didn't come like that. I was in a vehicle that I wasn't supposed to be in, and it wasn't even stolen, uh, but it just, the DA picked up the charges. That's a long story. The, 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 the main point is that when I didn't see a way out, God made a way out for me, you know? And this program, I I should have done this a long time ago. My mom passed away in 2021. She said, you just go do a program. It's going to help you put your life in God's hand. And he's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. And I never did. So she passed away. And her last phone call that I had with her when she was in the hospital, she's like, you do a program. Ask for a program and come home. You know? And it took me going almost going to prison again, and my 12-year-old daughter to tell me that it was time for me to get my life back on track, because I used to be a contractor in, in Texas, so they know the lifestyle that I could provide for them, and I left that, and I stopped doing that because of my addiction, and, and um, it took that and the power of God to put that in my head that it's time to live life right, you know? So now that I'm at this program, I, I was sharing with my brother here, and I have a lot of respect for Vladimir, man. He, he, he's he come a long way, and he's just another 
you know, to prove that it can be done, you know? It, every conversation that I have with people now is so positive, it's so productive, it's so inspiring that you can only mess up at the program if you're not ready, man. If you're at that program with not that mentality, it, it's just a matter of time before you're gonna relapse or you're gonna look for any excuse to go use. Right now, I'm not at that point to where like, I, I wanna do that anymore. I got a lot to lose now. And um, uh, thank you guys for uh, hearing me out. Hi, Arlene, alcoholic and addict in recovery. Arlene. Uh, thank you, Sal. There is a solution. Um, I ended up in these rooms um, because of a spiritual awakening. I was in the middle of a really nasty fight about to get punched in my face in front of my son in the car on the freeway. Because um, this drunk woman decided to date a crystal meth addict because, you know, crystal meth addict's not going to judge me or how much I drink because he's on drugs. So what can he say? Um, being an alcoholic was nothing to be ashamed of in my family. It was normal. Um, not being an alcoholic was weird in my family. Uh, it was kind of even frowned upon. Um, so I didn't understand the severity of being an alcoholic until, until that moment because I realized that, and I didn't even know the word until I came here, that my life was very unmanageable. Um, thanks to, to that, I, I looked for help. Um, I, I, and even after I heard that, you know, I heard God tell me just to start with me. I didn't even know what that meant. Um, but somehow I ended up in church and the person that I asked for prayer told me that there was this meeting here Monday night. And <clears throat> I really believe what the book says that if you don't have a spiritual awakening or have some kind of spirituality in your life, which can be love, your wife, if that's your higher power, because God is love. There's, an, there's no beginning or end without love. And that's why and how we were created. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, if it wasn't for being here, I wouldn't be able to continue to have that connection with my higher power. Um, cause I would come to church often. Um, I was raised as a Jehovah's witness, but nothing ever stuck. Nothing ever stuck. Um, I didn't understand nothing, no matter how much my grandma would make us write the scriptures and memorize them. We, we had to recite them to her so she could let us go outside and play. Um, I had no idea what the hell they meant. Um, it wasn't until I came here. And that, that spiritual experience and what I've learned here about my addiction, that there's absolutely nothing I can do with my life, ever. I will never be able to do anything with my life because I am always going to be an alcoholic. 
there is always, there's just something in me that does not know how to stop. There's no stop button. It's all go, go, go. And I will never have a stop button. The only thing that stops me is my higher power. And the only way I can connect with that is to come here. I come here, I go to church, and what I learn here, I'm able to understand what they're talking about in church. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to understand anything that happens in church. And it's crazy that I would never imagine that Alcoholics Anonymous would actually teach me or let me hear, like actually open my ears to what God wants to tell me. Every Sunday I go to church and whatever they speak in church um, connects somehow with what I've learned in that in, in our in our book with our 12 steps and I'm able to understand it. I would have never understood the Bible. I would never understand what they're talking about until I came here. I can, I can connect it all. Um, if you have not found a higher power, I highly invite you to, to find your higher power, whatever your higher power needs to be, whether it's, it's you know, the love for your wife, whether it's, like they said, a doorknob like Pastor Jose. Um, we had someone that it was Austin Powers because that was the only way he could talk back and forth with God was, you know, through comedy. Um, however it is, uh, today I still struggle with a lot of my defects of character, um, especially like at work. I still can't stand my coworker. But every day throughout the day, I I know what my problem is. I know what my defects of character are. And I continue throughout the whole day, you know, give them over to God, ask him for guidance, ask him to show me how to be a better person, how to, how to help and how to accept that whether I can't stand her or not, um, that's his daughter too. And he put, if he put her at that job, whether she knows what she's doing or not, um, he gave her that job for a reason, for her family, for her kids. And who am I to um, intervene with that? What I need to do and what I need to learn is to turn my other cheek and learn how to love and pray for her, for her family, whether she gets on my nerves or not, you know, really learning how to love my enemies. And I never think that I'd talk that way, ever. Um, my my son's dad is out of jail. He came out of prison last month. Um, and, you know, I before I'd have been like, let me see that motherfucker, I'll just run him over. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and like, I literally did stuff like that before. And today it's like I really bite my tongue and like, I know that um, if anything, if I was to see him, because eventually he's going to make contact because he's going to want to see his son. Um, today, what I can offer through tons of prayer to, to humble myself um, and offer him is, you know, to continue to go to go to meetings. If he's not going to meetings, to go to meetings, to get help, um, you know, to invite him to, to a meeting. Um, you know, because I need to really be there for others before I can sit here and, and ask God to fix.
fix all these things, you know, at work and with my wallet and whatnot. Um, I, I just, I need to think of others and hence, you know, that comes back to me when I think of the well-being of others um, instead of just mine. And that's, that's where I'm at right now. Um, and it's actually a peaceful way to be. It, it, it's weird because um, I've never been like that. I, um, I just can't even picture myself like wanting to say anything nice to my ex-husband, but, but I know how important it is. And I continue to pray and ask God, like, you know, to, to, to change my heart so I can, so I can be a loving daughter and, and give to others what has been given to me. Thank you. Luis, alcoholic. Thanks, Sal, for coming in. And through this rain, it's flooding most of the county. Um, you know, I, I, I was out there drinking for 30 years and dealing with consequences until I hit bottom. And part of the reason it was, as people have shared tonight, drinking and alcohol was just, it was rooted in my identity. You know, over, over you know, uh, 20 years. Actually, it was 20 years. And so it's hard to let go of something that's been part of your life for so long. And, and I don't know who I am without it. And that's a scary place because I don't, already don't like myself. I've been using it to, you know, to give me confidence and to numb, to cover the fear. And so... You know, um, that's why I keep going back to it. Because life happens, and that's the only thing I know. You know, and, it, and, uh, and I know that there's probably people here who understand that feeling of, like, of this is the only thing I know that's worked in the past, but it's not, it's not working anymore. But I don't have anything else. And I don't have anything else because every self-help book I'm reading is based on helping me on trying to manage. But the reality is, if you're the real deal, I need to stop drinking and then learn how to deal with life without going back to it. And I don't know how to do that on my own. And, and the obstacles there are pride and ego and expectations and all these things that will keep us out longer than we actually should. But it's from hitting bottom and finally getting on my knees, asking God to help me help me get to an AA meeting. And I and I finally did three days after that, that I would come to find out that what I need is a spiritual kit. That there is a solution and it's a spiritual kit. And I don't understand this word spirituality because it's not part of my life. Right? I don't know that. I know, I know about God, but I don't know God, right? I know to pray for it, but, but I don't know. I still don't know him, and I, therefore I don't trust him, and I'm not in a relationship with him. But these are all the things that are part of the spiritual kit. And so what it really does take, finally, if you to come into a room like this and hear about a solution, and step one is admit that I am powerless. 
And it may take time because it's going to take time for my mind to get to not be so foggy to where I can re, to start to connect the dots and realize, yeah, I, King Alcohol has mastered me and I want help. And then the next part, which is I have to come to believe that this higher power can restore me to sanity. But to, in order for that, it's like I have to realize that the way I've been living is insane. And grateful, the good part is, is that, you know, uh, in these rooms, we have a Big Book Awakening workshop that's designed to take me, you know, through the Big Book, you know, from where I want to escape and where I want to arrive, which is, you know, a new life. And it's, gonna, it's a six-month journey at minimum if you do it the way that we do it. And then from there, if I come to believe in, I think it was Vladimir or, or someone that talked about surrender, I have to finally be willing to let go of my old life and step into this new life, which I have no idea what, what it is. And in this new life, I'm still going to have to deal with the consequences from my old life. And part of what I'm letting go to is the people that some of the people that were part of that old life. They're seasonal people and they're not going to be in my new life or at least not for a period of time. Right. Because we never know what God's actually doing in someone else's life. You know, because God basically, as we've heard tonight, he does. He wants all his children back. You know, and so. And then even there, as the big book tells me. I got to take action. I have to take action while my head is healing, while my heart is healing, while I'm doing things that I don't want to do because it's hard, that self-examination process. And so um, one of the things I was reflecting while I was sitting there is it's a relationship. You, you, someone talked about love. My friend Jimmy back there that I met tonight. Here in the page 72 in the big book says that we've been trying to get a, a new relationship and a new attitude with our creator. And so what I've come to see and believe is because it's not being nice. That's people pleasing. It's actually being kind. And the only way I can be kind, that's a that's an actually that's a that's it comes out of love. So I have to receive love from my higher power, from God. And the only way to do that is by spending more time with him. And by receiving all this love from that overflow will bring me to a meeting tonight when it is flooding out there to open the lights, set up the coffee, to be able to pay it forward out of love. And suddenly I can be someone that I, I, I haven't been before. Kind and patient and loving because the, the best thing that we get here is someone's willing to listen because at home they stop listening to that drunk and that addict and they don't even want they can't even make eye contact with us anymore you know what I mean but here is where we can get a fresh start and that's you know that's why I'm here tonight is that I'm so grateful for the fresh start that I've received here this is all about life change you know, and it's one day at a time. And this thing's been going on for even longer than Alcoholics Anonymous because the Sally is actually even older than a, a response to all that stuff that was happening in the late 1800s as well when the Sally was going on, started as well. 
God's been at work for a long time trying to help people out of this darkness. And this is just one more tool, one more movement, you know, just one more expression of love from God. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe at eastlakebba.com. You can also help us reach others by spreading the word about our podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the East Lake Big Book Awakening Podcast.